Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Wednesday, November 17th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Missouri and Kansas State have been playing good football lately with K-State on a four-game winning streak and Mizzou winning two of three. They face big challenges this weekend. The Florida Gators visit Columbia, and I was surprised to see Florida as an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Beat writer Lila Bromberg tells me why the line seems right to her, and we discuss the improved Tigers rushing defense. After a break, you'll hear from Callis Robinette, who covers Kansas State. The Wildcats are coming off a victory over West Virginia, ending a five-year losing streak in that series, and now take on the 11th-ranked Baylor Bears in a huge game. Bowl games for both programs are also part of the conversation. Let's get started. Lila Bromberg covers the Missouri Tigers for the Kansas City Star, and we are chatting mostly Mizzou football. We'll save a little time at the end to try to explain what happened on the hardwood earlier this week with the Tigers. But let's start with football. Tigers certainly on an upswing, Lila, with the two-game winning streak, both conference wins. And one of the reasons this is happening is a little bit of an improved defense, especially against the run. You just posted a story about um, the new coach. You know, coaching change was made after, was it the Tennessee game this year? And the numbers are, are getting better. So what did you learn and discover about the improvement of Missouri's rushing defense? Well, they're not on a run streak yet. They've only won one game. Thank you for correcting. Yeah. <laughs> But, but I mean, they have won two, you know, SEC games now over the past three games, um, you know, which, which is something over after kind of, you know, a really horrific start to the year. But yeah, I mean, you know, Al Davis came in, as you mentioned, after that Tennessee game where, you know, Missouri came in favored into that game and were completely blown out at, at home. Um, and, you know, the defense was a huge reason why, especially that run defense. So after that game, uh, Jeffro Franklin, who was the defensive line coach, was fired and replaced by Al Davis, who was a defensive analyst on staff, um, who actually spent uh, a couple of seasons coaching at Hutchinson, um, you know, around the Kansas area as well. Um, and yeah, players just talked about really the energy that he's brought, really bringing that group together, creating more of a trust and a bond. Um, I wrote about how he has been working with players individually in the film room, doing one-on-one sessions with them, which has helped guys a lot, not only to see things a bit differently on the field, but to, um, you know, really have more in that trust and the person that's putting them on the field. Um, And that's really helped them with kind of a lot of the huge issues, which were not filling gaps properly. You know, Steve Wilkes, the defensive coordinator was saying, the scheme hasn't changed at all, but the way guys are filling the gaps and executing on the field is. And so Al Davis's focus on details and really bringing that unit together has made a big difference so far. And I mean, we'll, we'll see if it lasts. It's only been, you know, two games that they've held opponents under 200 yards, including 57 rushing yards at South Carolina, which was really impressive. So we'll definitely see how it continues against a really good run offense in Florida. Yeah, you know, but the game I blacked out on when I mentioned the two-game winning streak, it's been two out of three, was Georgia. Mm-hmm. The score was lopsided, but Missouri's running rush defense, Georgia was frustrated after the game. You know, the, one of the best, if not the best rushing mm-hmm. team in the, in the country was held below their season average. So there have been signs of improvement here 
for the Tigers, I don't know. It leads me to think that absolutely want to be trending in this direction this, this time of year. That's why I was so surprised to see Florida runs the ball well, too. Uh, good, good rushing offense. You know, can Missouri stop the run? I think the answer to that is there's a little bit more of a positive feeling about that now than there would have been three or four weeks ago, which is why I was surprised to see the line at what it was. The Gators favored by eight and a half. What do you think about that? Is that a little much? Maybe like a little bit, but honestly, I wasn't like that surprised just given the result the two teams had last year. I think given how Florida performed against Stanford, maybe. They got their butt kicked by South Carolina the previous week. Right, yeah. More, more than that, I mean, I'm just looking at the, you know, the most recent common opponents. And I want to talk about a little bit more about that South Carolina game in a minute. But I, it was more the, the common opponent in South Carolina that led me to think, oh, really? Well, anyway. Yeah, I think I think history factors into that and just, you know, how Florida has done in the past against Missouri. I mean, I don't really see Missouri winning this game. I see it as maybe a possibility, but um, I, I think it would take a lot for them to beat Florida, even with kind of how Florida has stumbled a bit. And one of the reasons maybe for a seated doubt on the Missouri side is we still don't know 100 percent what's happening at quarterback because right. Eli Drinkwitz doesn't let the, the media know during the week. Yeah, no depth chart still. <laughs> Still no depth chart, but you get an injury report, which is vague at best, right? Mm -hmm. Let's go through this quarterback situation. Connor Bazelak got off to a really nice start against South Carolina. That was a beautiful touchdown pass he threw early in that game and didn't end well for him. It didn't necessarily start well. He had the interception before that, but after that, he was playing well. Well enough to, to, you know, to not come out of the game. Right. And building a 31 to 14 lead. And then just, you know, South Carolina all of a sudden gets back into the game and it, it, it becomes danger time for the Tigers. And one of the reasons it did was because of a terrible interception yeah. that he threw uh, that, that gave the Gamecocks a short field touchdown. And Drinkwitz just said, no, you're done. Done for the day. Well, with about four minutes to go, Brady Cook comes in and look, the bread and butter player, as he's been so often this season, was Tyler Beatty. But I thought it was just really interesting that you know, Elijah Drinkwitz decided not to trust his starting quarterback at the biggest moment of the game. Yeah. And after the game, he talked about just the decision making from Bazelak. And this isn't a new thing. He's had just a ridiculous amount of interceptions, especially in the five SEC games that he's played. And it's not like they're, you know, toss up interceptions or something that you can put on wide receivers for the most part they've been kind of his fault and making really poor decisions of throwing a ball in an area that it shouldn't be thrown into at all um and a large reason that you know Bazelak won the job last year was because he was supposed to be this stable steady guy he didn't have this you know big arm or explosive plays that was really going to like impress a ton of people but he was supposed to be this game manager and impressive guy and he hasn't been that this season so I think that's raised a lot of questions for people. Um, I was a bit surprised to see Brady Cook put into the game just because previously in the year when, you know, Connor had these games with all of these interceptions, uh, you know, after the game, Drinkwitz would still be very firm in saying that he was the starter and kind of making excuses for it. But it seems like he's pretty fed up with the, you know, turnovers and interceptions. The amount he mentioned turnovers in his weekly press conference was a lot. You know, he wasn't directly saying, you know, he said he had not decided on a starting quarterback, but the amount he talked about turnovers, you know, when you ask him about Bazelak's progress and he says it depends on how you define progress. I mean, that's not that's not what you want to hear in terms of a head coach's confidence in their starting quarterback. 
We'll see what happens this week, but he doesn't seem to be that high on him right now. Very different tone than what we've seen in recent weeks. Depends on how you want to define success. I like that. Okay, so the the Get Lila to her first bowl game campaign continues (laughs) this week. Uh, Missouri's got to win one of the final two to qualify to, to get the six W's. More than a touchdown underdog against the Gators, we know they'll be an underdog against uh, at, at Arkansas. The, you know, in the following game, I don't know what I would put the percentage of Missouri qualifying for a bowl game at this point. Less than fifty percent. Yeah, I mean, I haven't thought for a while if everyone to make one. I, I think definitely winning that South Carolina game was crucial, and and this one as well, because I don't see any way they beat Arkansas, um, especially on the road. I would put it maybe at like. 30 percent 35 I, I don't I don't really know an exact number to put on it but it, it would have to be this game it, it really I think comes down to this week and I just don't see a situation or scenario where they're able to knock off you know a ranked team on the road especially given the short turnaround as well I don't really see them getting there but I guess we'll see what happens this weekend so you're saying there's a chance <laughs> all right let's uh, apply a final thought or two to what happened to Conzo Martin's basketball team earlier this week. I actually covered the, uh, the previous UMKC victory over Missouri. I think it was back in 2014. It may have been Kim Anderson's first game as the yeah. Missouri coach, but that was a, you know, that was a stunner. This one's even more of a stunner. It wasn't, it's not the first game. It's the fifth season for Conzo Martin. That's what, that's what makes it, I think heightens the disappointment, but, there's a little bit of an explanation here as well. There are a bunch of new players on this team. There's, there's you know, Dejuan Gordon's playing his first game for the Tigers. There was still a while to, you know, needed to, to adjust to each other, get used to each other. Still, you don't lose a game like this. Yeah, I mean, you can be taking time to adjust to each other, but you do not lose a blowout game to a summer league opponent. It, it, it was like, you know, one of those games, especially in offense, that was just kind of painful to watch, especially in that first half on offense. Um, just some of the poor decision-making, feeling like there weren't really being any plays being run, just how guys were getting trapped and turning over the ball and leaving shooters on the upper end wide open. You know, it's one thing to lose a game, but to lose a game like this to an opponent like this is really kind of not a great sign for this team. We didn't really know what was going to come, but this certainly doesn't give you a great indicator for the team. So it's going to be interesting kind of what happens moving forward. I mean, right now on Ken Palm, they're projected to win one SEC game. Ouch. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how this team turns it around. I think they have a lot of athletic pieces and I know that Konzo has placed an emphasis on wanting guys to just make plays, but I think the lack of running plays is really what got a lot of them in this game. There just really wasn't any offense. Hmm. On the flip side, all due credit to Billy Donlin and the Cruz, who shot the ball well, had a lot of open looks. They shot it really well. <laughs> yep, knocked them down. Did did what a program like that has to do on the road. Uh, slowed it down a little bit. Uh, hit their open shots, and it really bodes well for his program going forward. Their second year in the Summit after being in the WAC for about seven years before that, but really, really nice win for the kangaroos. All right, Lila, great catching up with you. We'll do it again next week. All right. Thanks so much for having me.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. We're here with Kellis Robinette, who covers Kansas State for the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. And yeah, let's, let's let's look backwards before we look forward. Uh, there's a lot to look forward to with Baylor coming to town on on Saturday. But uh, so impressed with what Kansas State did in the uh, in the 34 to 17 victory over West Virginia. I thought it was something of an homage to Bill Snyder the way that Kansas State won that game with special teams plays, no turnovers. In fact, caught a break on their one turnover. There was a penalty on West Virginia that nullified it, but. You know, just doing the typical, the way I think Kansas State is doing more with less, and I'm not sure they have less, but they certainly did more than West Virginia last week. Yeah, it was an interesting game to watch, especially in the first quarter. The state came out and said, we're not getting anything special here. We're just going to wait for West Virginia to screw this up. And that strategy worked perfectly. I don't know that I've really ever seen an opponent just shoot itself in the foot more often in one quarter than West Virginia did going through memory here they had a, an interception on a tip pass that was open for a touchdown a wide open flea flicker that should have gone for a touchdown but the quarterback just threw up a duck and let Kansas State break it up they had a block punt get returned for a touchdown they had a great play against Kansas State where they intercepted Skylar Thompson but decided to go ahead and target and hit Skylar Thompson to completely nullify it and that really gave Kansas State a 17-0 lead by doing nothing other than blocking a punt running the ball and just accepting charity you know what? Sometimes uh, that's all you need to do to win games and credit Chris Kleiman for that. That's a sign of good coaching. The more disciplined team came out and just by playing, you know, complimentary football, nothing fancy, they get out to a 17-0 lead and they win by 17. You know, sometimes you don't have to look too deep in the box score to figure out why a team won. And now Kansas State's in a four-game winning streak and they're feeling really good. Yeah, outgained in that game 345 to 299 in total yards, which again suggests they don't always win the game on that in the stats column. Seems like we we spent a lot of time in the previous few weeks talking about Helix, the defensive end who's who's having a great great season. Let's talk about another defensive star uh, for Kansas State, at least in this game. Tell us about Rusty. Yeah, he's a transfer from Louisville. He starts at safety for Kansas State. Quiet doesn't mean bad. He just hasn't been out here making uh, you know plays where he can get up and do dances like Felix and Udike Uzama keeps doing after these games. But he was really, um, I, I named him the MVP after this game. He was the guy who broke up that flea flicker pass. He was the guy who stayed with that first pass and had an interception. 
for whatever reason, West Virginia decided he was kind of the weak link in that Argued him a bunch in the first half. He came up and sniffed at another pass and blew it up. Bork could get completed, had a bunch of tackles, and forced a fumble in the game. So, I mean, shoot, that's a, that's a heck of a game for a safety to be that involved. Kudos to him for that. He's He's been a, a, a very good addition for, for them. And, and really, it just shows how good Kansas State did in the transfer portal over the offseason to get him, Julius Brents, Timmy Horn, three guys who started all season for them on defense and uh, Reggie Stubblefield too. I leave him out, but uh, he, he has been really good for them too. And those, those are four guys they wouldn't have, have had in the old days when they couldn't just, uh, you know, go out and add somebody out of the transfer. West Virginia in the rearview mirror, Baylor is up next. Can Kansas state expect Baylor to make the same kind of mistakes the Mountaineers made last weekend? Baylor playing really, really well right now. Coming off the Oklahoma victory. Probably not. I think this is going to be their toughest test since those first three games of Big 12 play when they opened with OU, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State. And I think it's a really important game for them just because if they win this game, their bull stock takes quite a bit of a rise. Uh, They can't make it to the Big 12 championship game, but they could still technically tie for seconds if they win their last two games. Um, And more than that, um, they really don't have a signature victory. You look at who they beat and who, who's their best win. Nevada, maybe. I mean, that's solid. Nothing too fancy, though, even though they've got Carson Strong. Texas Tech, they're going to a bowl. But, you know, they've already fired their coach. So I don't know if you can brag too much about that. Winning this game would be one where you could say, hey, look, we're, we're here. We're legit. Um, you know, just because we won four games against mediocre teams, we can't control who we're playing. We're really good. Baylor's 11th. They just beat Oklahoma. Um, you beat that team. People take notice. I think Kansas State moves back to the top 25. That could be the difference from a good year to a great year. You know what I mean? I think this is a really important game for them, but it's going to be tough. Baylor looked very good against Oklahoma. Um, I mean, if you're if you're forcing Caleb to the bench, um, you're doing some things really good. They run the ball, they throw the ball, they play great defense. Arguably, be coach of the year if not for Mike Gundy um, winning all these games. Yeah, good point. And also, this is the final home game, right? This is it for the seniors and. And one in particular, uh, quarterback Skylar Thompson, what a great player he's been for Kansas State. And his season will end in a bowl game, but this will be the last time he suits up for a game at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. I think I read in one of your stories, he has 20, is it 23 victories in his career as a starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where that ranks. I imagine Colin Klein would be ahead of him, but you know, Michael Bishop was just a two-year player. Maybe, I don't know if Bishop had as many as 23, but that's uh, look. That's a great haul and a, and a great accomplishment for him. And we'll spend more time. We've plenty of season left to talk about Skylar Thompson. But in his final home game, let's let's just pay some tribute to him. And a couple, what six weeks ago, looked like the season might have ended prematurely again for him. He's playing some great football. Yeah, it'll be a monumentous day at Bill Snyder Family Stadium where Skylar Thompson, after starting in 1991, will finally bid farewell <laughs> to Manhattan here. Harry Ellis of college football. <laughs> uh, that's a little humor there. I think his first start was actually in 2016. Uh, but he's been around a long time. And that stat you, you mentioned, 23, that actually, at least going back 90 before uh, Kansas State started keeping the stat, that actually leads all Kansas State quarterbacks um, in wins as a starter. Wow. Colin Klein only started two seasons. Michael Bishop only started two seasons. It's a little deceiving if those guys started four years like Skyler did. Uh, they'd be up, you know, in the 40s. It just shows, you know, the longevity um, that Skylar Thompson has brought to Kansas State with them to be good enough to start as a freshman, to still be here as a super senior starting um, and winning these games for Kansas State. I, I think it's a great, um, you know, a great honor for him and, and well-deserved. 
even if he did have a little bit longer than some of these other guys, just because, um, you know, he, he was the quarterback who really helped make the transition from Bill Snyder to Chris Kleiman, right? Um, those, those last couple seasons, there was a lot of, uh, you know, controversy between what should, should he start, should Alex Delton start? I never could really figure it out. But when Chris Kleiman came in, him and Skyler just hit it off. They win eight games. They beat Oklahoma twice. Now this year, um, since he's come back from injury, he's looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12, if not the best. So he's going out with a bang. And, you know, if there's anyone Kansas State fans, you know, um, on senior day, will give a nice ovation to it. it it's him. Absolutely. You know what, Kellis? Uh, it seems like we record these podcasts on days that Kansas State plays basketball. So we don't get a chance to talk much about what we just saw. But you had a story uh, today was interesting about uh, Davian Bradford not starting. And I like this guy uh, at the end of last year, the way he came on. But uh, tell us why, what does Bruce Weber say about him not in the starting lineup? It's a little interesting. Um, he's their best center. I think he's the best center that they've ever had at, at Kansas State, at least under Bruce Weber. He's, he's big. Uh, he's got a very nice touch. He can make shots. He can play defense. Um, and we saw last year when he uh, hit his groove and they went to a, a four-guard lineup and gave him some space in the middle. He was a, a real force, scored 18 points in the Big 12 tournament against Baylor, uh, led Kansas State with 23 dunks, which is the highest number anybody's ever had in a season for the Wildcats. Um, some players compared him to, uh, you know, some, some guys that Kansas has had in the past where they just throw it in there and it's an automatic two points. It's that easy for him. So w- when he gets back to full speed, I have no doubt he'll be their starting center. I can't imagine anybody else is better, but He's been battling some illnesses this preseason and had to basically just be shut down, sent home for like a week and a half. And you weigh as much as he does. It takes a little bit of your stamina back, get your endurance back on the court. They've actually gotten some pretty solid play from their backup, Casey Iziagu, who's another near seven-foot center in there. So they're going to keep riding him, uh, at least for now, until Davion gets back to full speed. And I'm not sure when that's going to be. He looked uh, quite a ways away from full speed in that opener against Florida A&M. Looked a step slow, maybe two or three steps slow. Um, he needs he needs to hit the treadmill and get back into shape. I'm, I'm sure by the time December, January rolls around, you'll see him in the starting lineup. But it's it's going to be a minute. He'll be limited this week and probably even next week when they go to Kansas City for those games uh, in that tournament. Let's make that the final thought. The Wildcats play Omaha tonight. We're recording this, of course, on on Wednesday, but. Monday and Tuesday, they, they're in Kansas City, and it's a, it's really a nice field, the uh, Hall of Fame Classic. Tell us about who Kansas State's going to match up with on Monday night. They're playing Arkansas right off the bat, which is uh, not the easiest of games. Um, and it's a, a funny situation because Kansas State was the very first team to enter the field in that tournament. They didn't know who else it was going to be uh, matching up against them. And lo and behold, uh, about a year later, turns out that uh, Illinois, Bruce Weber's old school, coached by Brad Underwood, says they're going to play in it as a favor. Roy Williams, they did the same thing in North Carolina and Kansas State, Missouri were in the field. He came out basically, at, told the tournament organizers, over my dead body, are we playing Missouri, followed by Kansas State and Kansas City. You match them up in the first round. Kind of same situation here. Weber went and asked nicely, um, can you please put Illinois on the opposite side of the bracket? They oblige, so if, if we want to see the Brad Underwood-Bruce Weber matchup, it'll be in the uh, consolation game or the first-place game on that Tuesday, what we're all hoping for. Um, but first, right off the bat, Arkansas, great team. Uh, they, they got a lot of talent. was in the NCAA tournament last season. And, and what, what a heck of a test for, for Kansas State right off the bat. Uh, you know, Florida A&M, Omaha, whatever, you know, those are warm-up games. We'll get to, get to see what they're really about next week. 
Yeah, no matter who they play the second night, it's going to be a good opponent, either uh, Cincinnati or Illinois. So really good field for, uh, for the Hall of Fame Classic this year. All right, Kellis, thanks a lot, and we'll talk again next week. All right, Blair, looking forward to it. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Lila Bromberg and Kellis Robinette for Talking College Sports. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. So let's talk about the morning sports edition. If you're not seeing it, you're really missing out. On KansasCity.com, you go to the Star Z edition. Of course, that's the replica of the printed newspaper on your screen that comes with your digital subscription. Well, now there's an updated sports section produced separately that goes along with it. When you open the E-Edition, there's a box in the upper right-hand corner that says All Editions. Click on that, and you can access, well, today, 45 pages of sports. You can also get it through a link in your email. I do, and it's there by about 6 a.m. every morning. But however you see it, you know what I'm talking about. It is complete coverage of the previous day's sports, news, features, statistics, everything. Hey, thanks for reading The Star and listening to our podcast lineup. You're helping support the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City, and we could not produce programs like Sports BKC without you. We'll be back on Thursday with another episode.